All right, well, good morning and welcome once again. And um, so we're in a, a new year and uh, we finished up the, the last part of last year and maybe the better part of the last half of last year talking about our our individual working on ourselves as individuals and how we interact with God and what our part is to be able to connect with him and for him to work in our lives. So many times we, we want it, but we don't realize what we have to do on our end. And then when things don't go the way we want, we want to blame him. And we're trying to, to change that outlook. And we had a series called Troubleshooting God where we could go and, and kind of look at these things. When things go wrong, how to find out what the problem is. Why are our prayers not being answered? Why are we not receiving our, our blessings? Why are we not having that relationship with God that we want to have? And uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. And of course, that's not something that's going away. We're going to continue to keep working on ourselves because that's the point of all of this is to have a better relationship with God for us to have our needs met for have our prayers answered and for us to be examples to be that beacon of light that draws people in and as we go into this new year and people are wanting to make changes in their lives and uh we see things, you know, new starts, new beginnings. It's time to start new things, make new patterns, new traditions, new habits. And we want to look at some of the, the bigger things. Um, we see statistically that during normal times that this is when you might see a time of church growth. So we want to focus on the church portion of it as we move forward that's going to be our our umbrella for the next little bit is the church and how we should act being established as and as people come in how we should what we should be doing how we should be treating others and also as people are are looking and exploring and trying to to fill that void that's missing and looking for a place to settle and call home what kind of things should they be looking for because we know that there's a, a lot of different choices out there. And I've seen, a, I seen this morning that right now we see some of the greatest decline of religion than ever before. That more and more people are choosing to not believe, to turn away from any kind of religion to turn away from god to have nothing in their lives and of course we see as a result of that our world that we live in is in a state like it's never been before and it's not a coincidence that those two things are happening so let's just stop right there and have a word of prayer Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity today, Father, to, to get into your word, Father. We ask you to just take myself out of the way, Father, to let your true message shine through. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, there's a, a lot of challenges that we face. You know, as I'm standing up here talking to you today, this is my favorite part of the whole process. I love to 
share God's word. I love to study God's word. I love to, it just, when I start to see the pieces come together, when God reveals things to me, it makes me excited that I can come up here and I can share it with y'all. I, I love this part. Now, everything else that goes with the job, eh. Because <laughs> there's just, it's so much. And there's, there's so much opposition. You know, recruitment, of course, because we want to see we want to see full seats. We want to see souls saved. But we want to make sure that we're, we're doing it. And as I, I talk to people, I see there's, there's so much, there's so many reasons why, there's so much justification why religion is not important, why God is not important, why church is not important. And what we need to do is, is to not be part of the problem. We, uh, we tend to, to sell ideas. We sell things. And as we, we sell things, we want to talk about the positive. And we want to gloss over the negative. Let's say you're going to buy a new car. And that salesman is going to show you all the, the neat new features. You know, the, a lot of the things these days are a little gimmicky. We have gear shifters that fold down, and we have things that they do on their own, and they park themselves and all that kind of things. It's really, you know, not really all that necessary, but it looks really cool when we, we go to see it for the first time. And that's the kind of things that they want to harp on. They want to show. They want to showcase. But then they want to gloss over the things like uh, the added fees. Right now, if you went to buy something, you might see a, a price for inflation. That uh, used to be whenever they would mark out a price, they would put a line through it and they'd put a, a new lower price on there. That would be the dealer special. Well, these days they're doing the same thing except for that bottom number is now higher, not lower. But they don't want to showcase that and so we they use distraction techniques so they'll ask you things like well, what do you want your payment to be and what kind of features are you looking for and kind of gloss over some of these things that's the negative aspects of it we won't worry about things like interest rates and we won't worry about what the total price is as long as we can get you in the vehicle that you want for a payment that you can afford and we do this in in all aspects of life you know, whenever they uh, are recruiting for the, for the military, they talk about things like world travel. They talk about things like opportunities, building education, and like that. And all these things are great, but they also don't tell you about the difficulty level of the process that you're going to be going through. When I went through some of my training, of course, we got the big speech about all the good things, all the opportunities, and all the things you can do, but they sure didn't tell you how bad pepper spray hurts. <laughs> you know, they leave out these little details. And I've told you in the past that I'm a big consumer of, of information. I, I like to do a lot of reading. I like to listen to different preachers teach so 
I can compare, I can, I can learn, gather more information myself, I can see other techniques. And I've did that for a number of years and some I've stuck with and some I've had to let go because they just don't meet my needs or just don't quite fit God's picture anymore. And uh, one of the reasons that is, is because it's hard to please everyone. And there was one such a evangelist that operates a, a mega church where there's thousands upon thousands of people in attendance each and every service, multiple services a week. Of course, it's televised. There's audio recordings. So there's lots of different ways. And that's not counting the books and merchandise and all the different ways that, that this person's interpretation of the word goes out. And because of its grand popularity, it's created this person a pretty lavish lifestyle. And, um, you know, God doesn't have a problem with you being prosperous. You know, he tells us that he wants us to have the desires of our hearts. But that's only an above and beyond to accomplishing what his goals is for this world, for the individuals. We worry so much about our feelings and how we feel and how things affect us. We don't ever think about how things are affecting God, how things are affecting the kingdom of heaven. So one time this person was in a, an interview and they were asked a specific question when it came to the word of God. And it's like, it's one of these moments where, okay, we, I know what they're doing. They're kind of baiting them in and kind of, kind of forcing them to take a stand. And you know what? When we're talking about God's word, when we're talking about God, when it's clear cut what the word says, this shouldn't be a problem. Matter of fact, this should be a time to shine, a time for us to stand up and take that stand and show that we stand with God. But the results of that question was very disappointing. When we get an answer that is watered down, diluted, doesn't provide any real information, and doesn't glorify our Lord. When we start worrying about what man thinks, how it's going to affect the bottom line that we might offend some people, that we might lose some people, that it might affect our profit margins, so we water down the truth. We glaze over it, and we try to bend it and mold it and shape it into something that is pleasing to everyone. That's why those little slips of paper inside a fortune cookie, that's why they're, they're so vague. That's why uh, the little horoscopes in the newspaper are so vague. They can fit anyone, and that's what they wanted to do. But when it comes to talking about the Word of God, we can't have a 
one size fits all. We have to have the truth. It's not for us to adapt God's word and make it fit the masses. It's for the masses to fit God's word. We have a lot of problems with church today. First of all, we're, have, we're dealing with a, a mass falling away. Satan has got deep, deep grips on this world. And over the generations, over time, we have allowed him a strong, strong foothold. And we have allowed that to happen. And we have not placed an importance on God. We are taking God out of more and more things. We are saying that God is infringing on people. And we're putting the feelings of people above everything else. And we are crippling God in this world. Because we're allowing it to happen. So we have that to contend with. And as this happens more and more, and people see less and less importance in church, people are caring less about it. They're pushing now to take away churches' tax exemptions. They don't feel that it's necessary. But these are the same people that's never stepped foot inside. They don't understand the the inner workings. They don't understand that this was a system that God set up so that the church can worry about feeding the flock spiritually and that the other things will be taken care of through the giving. All they see is, is this, the scandals and the last lush lifestyles and these people pleasing leadership that's in the spotlight and that's the only thing they see they haven't experienced what God truly is and what a God-filled church looks like used to be that a church was was sacred that people, no matter what their, their walk was, no matter what they thought about, churches were left alone. But now they're the targets of vandalism. They're the targets of thieves. They're the targets of hate. Because people don't have an importance to them anymore. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope make not a shame, 
because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost and is given unto us. For when we yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For the sanctity of the righteousness man will one die, yet provide a venture for a good man, some that even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. More and more than being justified by his blood, we shall save from the wrath through him. For if we are enemies, we shall reconcile to God, for the death of the Son is much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So not only do we have a problem on the outside, people not coming through the doors, but we also have a problem once they get inside as well. And this goes back to, to fear. We have a fear of how people are going to react. We have a fear of people that are different. We have all these different fears that drive our, our feelings. Stuff sound familiar? And we come in and we're, we're looking for something. We're all longing for something that only Jesus can provide. And see, we think that we get that, that one thing. We, give, we come in, we get that salvation, we pray that sinner's prayer, we get that dunk. Then we kind of think everything's over with. But that's only the beginning. Because we're getting something that needs to be tended, that needs to grow, that needs to flourish. And we're not really, really filling that void. You know, they have that, uh, that foam that you can spray out of the can, and it expands. It fills in cracks and crevices. And that's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to fill in all of our cracks and crevices, and we need Jesus to do that. We need to be able to expand on his love and his grace and his mercy. And we need all of these things and we need to understand it and we need to enjoy it and we need to experience it and his peace and we need to share it with others. That's what we need. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're trying to, to do. But what we end up doing is we take that, that can Jesus in the form of salvation and we just try to lob it in there in the can and it doesn't, it fills up a little bit it drops, stops a little bit of the draft. It blocks a little bit of the crack. But we need that expansion. And many times we're not, we're not getting that. And we are not getting good teachings. Because we want to, we want to please everybody. We want to see big numbers. There used to be a, a sign hanging up there on that wall. And it was full of numbers. And those numbers changed every week. And it was, had to do with how many people were in attendance and how many people were in attendance for that and how much money came in. It was a whole bunch of numbers. And one of the first things I did was I took that sign down because we don't need to be about numbers. I've seen churches where they just want to fill up the numbers. 
early, early, early on in my youth, I was in a place like that. And they just wanted to get people through the baptistry and out the other side so they can check those boxes. Well, the problem is that person that's getting rushed through the baptism like their cattle going through a, a fly spray don't know why they're there. No one took the time to explain what are we doing? What do you think about this? Why are you doing this? If you listen to me regularly, I, I say these things. You know, we have to ask these questions. We have to be able to articulate. Do you believe? Why do you believe? What do you believe? We need to be answered these questions for ourselves before we can ever can explain it to anybody else. So many times we want we so long to inject our opinion. We talked about a little bit this last week. That we want to inject our opinion and stuff so much that we want to appear to be smart and on top of things. But yet we're causing more damage because we can't even help ourselves. We're not doing a good job for our own selves. So how in the world are we supposed to be able to help anyone else? How are we supposed to be an example when we're not even setting a good example for ourselves? That we don't know what God has for us. How are we supposed to explain that to others? And that's what happens. We have this notion that coming to church is going to fix all of our problems. That once we accept Jesus, it's going to fix all of our problems. But that's not the case. That's not the case. It's, a, it's an illusion. See, man has this way of injecting himself into things to make things fit his story that he wants to tell or that makes it more beneficial for him. We see the example with the Israelites. They wanted to keep God at, at arm's length. So they said, okay, you give us some rules. We'll just follow these rules and you can stay over there in your corner and we'll do our own thing. We can handle it. We got it. You just tell us what we need to do. We got it. And we've seen that didn't work out too good. Because we are designed to be with God. To be in God's presence. For God to help us. To lead us. To guide us. We see that the Pharisees, they had their own plan. They controlled all of the education of spiritual matters. So they told the people... What benefited them? When Jesus came, he was a threat to their entire system because the way the system they had set up used religion to give them power and wealth. But Jesus says, no, this is not the way things work. This is the way. I am the way. And they're not. So that's why he was such a threat because he was challenging their whole system that put them on top. Luke 10.3 says, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. We are at a distinct disadvantage. And I don't even know why we have such a, an illusion about life being so easy and simple. And, and 
we're supposed to have all of our, our feelings met. You know, that's the, the, the idea of this world that's being pushed on now, that we're supposed to just do whatever makes us feel good. That we don't have to worry about any kind of morals or any kind of structure or anything like that, just as long as it feels good and don't hurt anyone's feelings. And that's simply not the case. Jesus is telling us that we are going to do something hard. If you follow me, if you go out and preach my word, if you are my follower, it is going to be hard. And you know what? Even if we're not doing all that, it is still going to be hard because we live in a fallen world. We are sinful people surrounded by sin. So things are going to go amiss. Well, we come in and we get all of the good stuff, all of the, the things that's supposed to happen, but we don't get any of the bad. Nobody ever tells us this. If we go back to the to the, the TV evangelists, they, they all even have their own little system. One is the message of hope. One is the message of, of faith. One is the message of healing. And of course, these, yes, are all things of God. But the one component, there's one major component that's missing in each and every one of them things is the how. It does no good to stand up here and talk about how loving God is, how great God is, how all these things can be done with God if we don't know how, if we don't know what our part is. We think that He's just going to just do everything, that everything is going to just work out perfect but we forget about the thing like free will that God gives us a choice see we want that choice whenever we want to ignore him whenever we want to pick and choose what we want to take out of the word yeah we like that idea but then on the flip side though when things are going amiss when we are not seeking him first and we get into a real pickle with the things of life, then we're like, hey God, why did you allow this to happen? We can't have it both ways. God tells us what we need to do. We have to seek Him. Seek, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. We have to seek Him. But we don't want to seek Him. We want to do our own thing. We want to do what feels good. And then we want Him to come and sweep in and pluck us out of trouble. We're going to be looking into, into suffering. Because one of the things that really hangs up people is, how does a loving God allow people to suffer? They don't want to believe in things like hell. Well, if God's so loving, then why do people go to hell? And it's really all pretty simple. It's because we have a part to do, and we have to do it. 
You see, God doesn't send people to hell. God simply allows them to make a choice. Each and every one of us choose where we're going to spend our eternity, either in heaven or hell. It's a choice. And if you wind up there, it's because you've made a choice that you want to live how you want to live. You want to totally ignore God. You want to forsake Him. And that's how you wind up in hell. It's not because God sends you there. Suffering can be broke down into about three different categories. First of all, we have the things that we bring upon ourselves. We make choices. And because of our bad choices, it causes bad results to happen. Secondly, we have suffering that we go through as being a follower of Christ. And Jesus tells us that's going to happen. He also tells us that they are great rewards into it. And the third thing is, it's just suffering that we endure because we live in a fallen world. That things are going to happen because of sin. And that God sees us through that as well. We're going to go through each one of these in detail. But we go and we come in and we hear all these grand things. We hear that all we have to do is is pray. And God's going to answer our prayers. God's going to give us our desires of our hearts. And we could do a whole entire message of that about the, the greatness and the goodness and God giving. God gives. God answers prayers. But we also went through weeks, weeks of how we are in, not on God, but are in, can mess that up. How we can block our prayers from being heard. How we can block God from answering our prayers. How we can block from receiving. And how we're asking for things that God simply can't do. We have these blanket Things that we, we talk about in church, we have them as sayings, and they get embedded into us. And with everything, there's always more detail. Well, God can do anything. But yes, but God also has set rules, He set parameters. That we have to follow. You know, we, we might pray to God to smite an enemy of ours. We have to remember that that might be our enemy, but that is also God's son or daughter. That we are all equal in his eyes. We might pray to win the lottery. The lottery is a man-made system of a man-made product that God is not over. 
God can give you provision. We want to box him in and we want to tell him exactly how we want it done. See, because God works in ways that makes us grow and to be better. God would rather give us a multi-million dollar idea than a bunch of paper. God will give us a way to support ourselves and to support others and to be able to do well for ourselves and well in the world and well for the world. We want it, we want it simple because that part involves work. That part involves us following through with God and working with him to achieve something. It also involves something that we're not very good at, which is patience. God wants to work with us. God knows the desires of our hearts. God knows what we're going to do, how we're going to act, and how we're going to behave. And he's not going to give us something that we're going to act foolish with, that's going to put us further away from him. And so many times we would realize these things if we simply would just converse with him, simply get into his word, simply seek him. We're always looking the way to solve things ourselves. I get a lot of questions. People call up and say, okay, well, they want to know about the, about the church. They want to know what's it about, all these different things. But the, the disheartening part is, is what they are seeking. We see people come and go and the reasons that they, they come and go. I'm here to tell you about the truth of God. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't want to change anything. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I want you to know the truth. What God has for us. That let me be nothing more than a speaker for him. A tool to which his word can pass through. There's nothing special about me standing up here because he has given me the ability and the opportunity to do it. And I give him the praise for that to be able to do that. It's nothing that, that I have done, nothing I deserve, and no skill set that I have. It's simply Him. We get asked about what kind of programs do you have? What kind of, what, what, what do you serve? What do you have? It's, just, it's, it's what you can, can get. What is, basically, let's break it down. What is your gimmicks? How are you going to entertain me? And that's what church has become. It is a, a social gathering. It is a place to be entertained. And if we're going to talk about God, 
it's way on down the list. It's about the music. It's about the band. It's about the lights. It's about the special programs. What kind of trips do you take your, your youth on? Not, not what are you teaching? Not what version of the Bible do you like to use? You know, these are very important questions because they are changing things up so much. And they are so, thing, so many versions now that are so far from what the actual truth is. They've changed so much that it's no longer God's word. In the, the four years that I've been doing this, I've had one question that's ever related to any kind of teaching. Everything else is, what do you do to make me feel good? What makes it worth my time? I like to think what makes it worth your time is that you're getting closer to Jesus. You're getting closer to God. That you are getting filled with good quality spiritual food. That you're creating a, a bond and a family with like-minded individuals. Not that we show good movies. Not that we have good music. Not that we have good food. Not that we have entertaining programs, but that we have a true spirit for God. And people don't like that. People don't like the truth. They don't like the way it makes them feel. They don't like the way they feel that conviction. So what do they do? They move on. They find some place that's more appeasing, more entertaining. Church should be an experience, but not the kind of experience you get from going to the movie theater, not from the same kind of experience you get from watching a show, but an experience from having a personal connection with God. An experience when you're walking out in the world and you're thinking about the things that you've experienced, that the message is echoing in your mind, that you're able to pull it up and recall it, that you're able to use it in your lives. That's the difference. But you see, it comes down again to choice and it comes down to, to feelings because there's going to be times that it's going to be uncomfortable because we're learning all the things that we need to be doing different. Of course, no one likes change. No one likes to be to feel like they're doing something wrong. No one likes conviction. No one likes condemnation we have to deal with these things if we're going to become better there's going to be times that we're bored there's going to be times feel like we're talking about the same stuff over and over again and we're just beating a dead horse but yet it's a necessity because we still don't get it we're still not using it in our lives where it's still not part of us there's going to be times that it's discouraging and challenging because we're small. We're a small group. But you know what? 
God said that too. That the path is small and narrow. That's because there's not many of us walking on it. You know, when you have a path that's beat down, that's because people's beat down the bushes. Our path is getting narrower because our bushes is growing up because no one's going down it. We're living in a time where church is not important and the ones that want to be involved are worried about feelings and numbers and not God. But it's not too late. All we have to do is make our commitment and let God work and to seek Him. And we can see that small path widen. We can still see souls saved. <coughs> For many of us, we're, we're looking at the state of the world and we're like, well, it's the end time. We ought to well just hurry up and wait. Wait for Jesus to come back. Never says that either. He just says, keep going. Keep doing. We're not supposed to stop and just wait on him. We're supposed to be our beacon. There is still souls to be saved. There is still things to be done. And there's still improvements that we can make in our own lives, in our own churches. And the time is now. We still have air in our lungs. We have time on the clock. We have a new day each and every day. As long as we keep having those things happen, we need to make the most of it. Each and every day should count. Each and every day should be lived for God. 